We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. The Passing of Grandison by Charles W. Chestnut, coming up today. Gradison. Gra- gra- I'm going to mess it up. Can I just call him Grandy? <laughs> if there's one person that's allowed to have a little extra slack when it comes to pronunciation, it's you, Granted. You. Now, published in 1899, let's talk about this story, because we open up on a plantation in Kentucky, and the opening line, paragraph, I, I need to read this to you. When it is said that it was done to please a woman, there ought perhaps to be enough said to explain anything. For what a man will not do to please a woman is yet to be discovered. <laughs> you read this, right? And you kind of expect this to be a story about Dick Owens chasing charity. But it's not really. Like, that's like the framing narrative of why he's trying to do this act of, of good? Uh, self-serving motivation to get the girl <laughs> yeah straight up i i love how this starts off and i at first i was very confused because i think that the title to me implied that somebody was dying passing passing away mm, okay so i was like okay this is gonna be about you know maybe a murder or something murder mystery i wasn't really sure i hadn't in, in you know researched anything about it and then we start off and it's almost like this, I'm going to prove my worth to my lady so she'll marry me. And then it takes a hard 180 and goes in a completely different direction I wasn't expecting. And it's brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an element of, like, we use the term transactional relationship sometimes in modern times, of people who are looking to get something out of a relationship. If you provide X, I will provide Y. And that's kind of a little bit of where Dick is going with charity. Like, if I do X act of heroism, you'll give me Y act of love and affection, right? It's it's a little transactional, I would say. But at the same time, there's even like a little bit of performance, too, from, uh, you know, you had the servant in the beginning, Tom. Uh, you had Grandison, the two the two slaves, where they both were willing to kind of put on a performance as well. Right. Like you have that old quote, be careful what you pretend to be because we are what we pretend to be sort of thing. But I feel like there's a difference between these two that maybe we can kind of explore as we walk through this. Does that sound fair? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think there is some level of quid pro quo here, but I think that one is more genuine than the other, uh, where one is definitely putting on a play of sorts uh, to get what he wants. And that's Grandison, uh, obviously, as we go through the story. But I, I think that is it. I know I'm a little bit harsh on Dick about his doing this for his own motivation, right? But is is that okay? I mean, he he's doing it for the right reasons. I don't know. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it because we open up with the fugitive state law, which again, 1850s, right? Like that's 
somewhere around there that was passed to basically say slaves had to be returned to their uh, slave master. Like the, the idea of in slavery times, chattel slavery, property had to be returned. And this was basically a way to keep slaves, quote unquote, in line, like power to keep them in check. Right. And took away all the power uh, that had been established in the northern states that they were, quote, free states because now that was irrelevant. So this was a big deal in the 1850s. So our main character, Dick, a little lazy, right? And by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit of lazy because he's got power <laughs> and wealth coming his way no matter what, right? Like his sister, she's not marriageable, right? Like, so he's going to get all of the uh, benefits of uh, the, the inheritance when it gets passed down. And so literally like the, like, I love how lazy Dick is because it just kind of like, is it just plays throughout this whole piece. Because even like his proposal to charity after seeing, you know, the inspiration of this man free slavery, he's like, okay, what I'm going to do, charity, I'm going to free a slave. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of him. I'm going to, I'm going to bring him to the free states and then you'll love me. Right. Again, perform X for Y, the transactional relationship. But like, one slave man like that's that's all you're going to work with you, you got all these slaves at your plantation and you're just going to work with one <laughs> well you got to start small right uh he, he's not over ambitious i think that is is dick a bad guy i don't know is he obviously someone that is uh i don't want to say ignorant but he is not aware of how really the world works i think i think he's very sheltered living you know on this plantation he has a very limited uh view of life uh, I, I think he's a very simple man he he wants to marry charity and whatever he can do to get that is what he's going to do the least amount of work as possible but that's but he's still trying to do some good. So it's an odd scale you're trying to weigh here with him and i i find it comical the whole time he is just He's like busting his butt to be as lazy as possible, which I found hilarious throughout yeah, the story. He really does. He's by like, you can't really look at it with modern eyes, but you can't not. Right. And you have those like, you know, perform performative activists, right. That are doing things just to make it look like they're doing good because I don't know why, because maybe social currency, something, you know, we've talked about this several times, but here's Dick to your point about doing it. And you said, you know, he's doing good, but like, He's not doing it because he thinks the slaves should be freed. He's doing it as a way to get what he wants. Now, does it create good in the process? Like, yes, but it doesn't come from like the right place. You know what I mean? Like there's like, there's, there's performance in, in this, in this transaction. It doesn't make him a good person. That's for sure. It just makes it what he's doing happens to be a good thing because that will impress the lady that he wants and he'll get charity as a result. Uh, which is which is great uh, for for the slaves and for Grandinson, but uh, it it doesn't show that there was a lot of good being done. That it did take some self effort on the slaves' part to basically become free. I'll say this too: there was some there's some wonderful irony and satire, kind of like in this piece. Uh, if you if you didn't catch it, Charity she says that she wished all the slaves would run away when they're talking about the opening trial. And, and that's kind of a little bit of irony what happens there at the end too, in terms of like the slave owner. Cause she said like that slave owner was a jerk. She, she wished all the slaves would run away. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited and, and we've been kind of dancing around the story a little bit, but uh, so Dick basically tries to take a slave and, you know, 
force him in a roundabout way to run away so that Charity will will fall in love with him and marry him. And he picks a slave, um, uh, the, the closest one to his father. And his dad says, no, no, no. I, I know that one, that, that guy, his name was Tom, I think, was, you know, a little bit rebellious. Um, you can have Grandison, Grandison. And because he, that's his most trusted slave. And the whole time, Dick is trying to, you know, secretly get rid of him. And at the end of the story, Grandison comes back and basically steals all the slaves away. And there's, it, it, it's brilliant how Chestnut hides in those, you know, foreshadowings of what was going to happen. Uh, and even though it still got me, I, I didn't realize that was going to happen. And I was so I was so happy that like it had a happy ending, which you don't expect, especially during this time period of American history. So let's uh, let's talk about the father, because you bring up some good points there where Tom was, you know, when they mentioned to him, like, hey, do you want to go up north? Like his eyes lit up. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, he's going to put on that like, like, oh, yeah, take me because, you know, he's going to bust out as soon as he gets up north. It, well, I think we're led to believe. And, and the father knows this. Right. And here's the thing about the father. There's some really interesting quotes here that I think are worth discussing. They said that, you know, he was self-made, but they said while he despised the ladder by which he climbed, he could not entirely forget it. So he admits he understands this is wrong, right? It's one thing to do wrong and justify it. It's another thing to be wrong and to be like, well, this benefits me. And that's the kernel in this situation, right? And again, another quote here that I think reinforces that. The colonel would have obliged his son in any other matter, but his slaves were the outward and visible sign of his wealth and station, and therefore sacred to him. So there you have it, right? You can do whatever you want. He knows it's wrong, but as long as it grants him power and doesn't take away from his status, he's going to be okay with it. But don't mess with his power. I love this viewpoint that Chestnut gives us here because I know that a lot of times when I would teach this, and we've discussed this before on the channel, is that in the South, in the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries, your status was very important. And your status, what you talk about many times, is all based around your land. And here, Chestnut's giving us a little bit of a view of to the slaves, I think, and their viewpoint was they were the thing that was the most important to the plantation owners because they're the ones that worked the land. And I, I think that Dick's father is giving us kind of that perspective as well is, yes, the land's important to him and his power is important to him, but it's the slaves that give him that power of operating the land and, and having mm -hmm. wealth. Well, I'll say this. They, they know how to use that as the lever, right? So like if we're talking about if you do X, I get Y to the father, if you give me slave, if you give me manual labor without much problem, I give you small rewards like tobacco or, you know, like small things like that. Right. And, and they mm -hmm. knew that, right. Because yeah. remember when Grandison comes in, he's like, you're happy here. Right? He's like, Oh yes, master. Right. He's like, you wouldn't run away with those dirty free slaves who don't have someone to look out for them, who don't have someone to free for them. They're clearly much worse. Oh yes, yes, yes. They're absolutely worse. But by the time you get to the end, to your point, he, oh, he knew what he was doing the whole time. He wanted it. He's just telling the colonel what he wants to hear because he knows the colonel's power is reliant upon these people. So if he plays the role 
of that docile, the 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 submissive, the 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 hardworking slave, then he's going to get the benefits and the slack that he needs to achieve what he really wants to do, which is freedom. It was brilliant. The long con is what he's playing that eventually he will have an opportunity to strike and he does exactly that. And I think that shows the compassion, I, I think, of the difference here of the Colonel and Dick and Charity is to Grandison and Tom and, and, and Grandison's family is that he is doing this and suffering and belittling himself because he does genuinely love his family because he could have ran away, right? Uh, when he goes up north mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. with, with Dick, he had multiple opportunities to run away and he doesn't. And he comes back on his own to prove his loyalty because that's how much he loves his family. And uh, for me, I felt like it was a, a genuine love story of how much a man can love his family and what he will do to sacrifice in order to help them to, to you know, gain their freedom and have their best life. Yeah. And we didn't talk much about New York, Boston, or um, Canada, but it's worth mentioning how funny is the are these scenes, right? Because... There's just, yeah. there's so much irony in one, how lazy Dick continues to be like, like, all right, I'm going to walk over here. I hope you run away. Like, Hey, like, <laughs> like I'm going to have some people write some letters and hopefully you run away then. Like this is the laziest escape plan I have ever heard of just like, I took a dude somewhere and hope he runs away so that my, my girl back home thinks I'm a hero. Like it's hysterical, especially when you know the, um, if you've read the story already through, you know the irony of what's going to happen, right? So you see the way Grandison is, you know, when these these abolitionists come and talk to him when he's walking down the street, he's not turning yeah. them. Well, I, I took the interpretation. He's not turning them down. He's building a roadmap, right? First, we get to hear, this guy's going to help my whole family. Hey, I'm going to come back in, in three weeks. I've got 18 people that are coming with me. We're going to need safe passage. And then we're going to go up to Boston. And this guy from Boston is going to help us to get up to Canada. He's mapping out his plan this whole time while playing up his loyalty, playing up his his mask of serv- servitude. Oh, and he's building he's building currency, right? And he, he's building not only that plan, but he now can go back and say, you know, I didn't run away. I didn't run away. I didn't run away. I came back on my own volition. And then he's rewarded for it. And he's given a position in the big house and given more freedoms. And then he's able to capitalize on all of that credit and currency that he built up. And it's just it. It's really funny how, uh, you know, Chestnut really kind of pokes fun at uh, the naivety, I guess, of of Dick, of, of how lazy it was. And it, I love how he's like trying to get one over on the abolitionists. And like they had to have known that he was the guy that was giving away basically his slave, you know, of how like, how dumb do you think we are, guy? Like everybody knows you're the one that arrived with this, you know, slave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we have to end with a little history lesson that at this point in time in history, if I haven't messed up my, my history packs here, Canada has already abolished, at least in this part, slavery. So when he's in Canada and they call it out in the narrative, he's free. He, he could have gotten away. So we see not only is he cunning, but he's also, I think, very brave because he is actually smart enough to know that he should go back with Dick until Dick goes, you know, the pays like the local man to kidnap him basically kidnap him. so yeah. that way he can he can head back. So he actually had a brilliant plan for how to get back safe passage through the states 
to go free his family. Dick screws it up. <laughs> sort but of. He, well, he does because he leaves without him. So now the safe passage back, he's got to figure out how to get all the way back through all this treacherous with the fugitive uh, state law going on and all to get back to the family. It's not safe, right? Like he he did take on bra- like a brave act of getting all the way back to his family where he didn't have the easy passage that he once had with Dick. Yeah, but I think that the story would have been, obviously the story would have been different, but had, say, Dick never had him kidnapped and he just gets frustrated and gives up because he's lazy and he says, okay, let's just go home, Granison, and they go home and, you know, he would have rolled up uh, to his house and Pa would have walked out and said, see, I knew he was my favorite. He was good. And maybe he got a slap on the back and some extra tobacco for his pipe, but he wouldn't have been given his position in the big house. He wouldn't have been given, you know, the perks that he was given or the freedom or leeway. Like he came back on his own. That I think was the 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 clincher that allowed Grandison to to really put forth his plan of escape for his entire family. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would happen otherwise. Gets the whole family out and Betty with a really cute story. I would say there's there's a really so you mentioned earlier what does passing stand for? Is it the passing through of escape? Uh, you know, when we started talking about Tom, I was thinking about passing where, you know, you have people who are light enough skinned uh that are mixed that might appear as white. But I think to me, the way I interpreted passing is it all has to do with perception and who we are. Because Dick this whole time was putting on this show of trying to be this, this abolitionist. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but he's trying to free, <laughs> he's trying to free one, one slave. <laughs> one like, don't, dude. Don't go overboard, lazy dick. Uh, Whoa, you, easy there, Turbo. <laughs> you have charity that she didn't even really mean. Like, she didn't think he was actually going to do that. She was kind of surprised, but she did hold up her bargain. You had the colonel, right? Like, his views... Like, like he knew what he was doing was wrong. Like they said that in the lines, but it, it, it granted him power, it granted him wealth. So he went along with it. So again, he's wearing a mask. And then of course you've got Tom, you got Grandison. They're wearing their masks of being the docile servant when in rea- reality they're being crafty and cunning to plot what their, their, their right of freedom, right? So everyone is passing as something else in the story. Yeah, I like that way of thinking about it. Again, I thought it was, you know, passing away. But when you think of it is that Grandison is passing as a slave. He's pretending to be a slave because mm-hmm. he is a free man in his heart. Mm-hmm. Then I think that the the title makes a little bit more sense. And uh, what a beautiful, happy ending. I love this story. It's great. Gives you hope. Another zinger from Chestnut. What other stories of his do you think we should read? Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. Appreciate your time with us today. My name's Benuna. Peace. Peace.